The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Minute Warning Podcast right here on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Your host, of course, Dave Sturcho, alongside Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis of bloggingtheboys.com, um, in which I know for a fact they're going to have a great time writing about this disaster of a football game that went down on Thanksgiving Day. The Cowboys drop one. 33-30 to 30 in overtime to the Las Vegas Raiders on Thanksgiving night, ruining all of our meals um, for the third straight year, folks. And I don't know if you guys notice or you guys are aware of this. This is the first time the Cowboys have lost three straight Thanksgiving Day games since 1986 to 1989. So that's a nice little fun fact for you. And in 1989, the Cowboys went 1-15. So I don't know where this is actually going to go uh, from here. <laughs> get the, uh, the initial knee-jerk reaction to – We'll get into the specifics, obviously, but right now we're sitting here at seven and four. Aiden, how are you feeling on this? We're recording on Black Friday, dropping on Saturday. How are you feeling going into the rest of the NFL slate in week 12? I'm just hoping that the Eagles drop one at this point, because what we thought was a wrap in the division going into the bye week, it was like a 99% chance to make the playoffs. All the other NFC East teams looked like they did in 2020 and now you're looking at the schedule the eagles have a cupcake of a schedule and so at this point we're rooting for eagles losses because this division race just got a whole lot tighter thanks to the dallas cowboys there's nobody else we had this division wrapped and the dallas cowboys just decided let's take a few games off and let the other teams enter into the conversation and here we are tony uh your thoughts about the dallas cowboys now losing three of four we mentioned it last week when we recorded. I said, you know, if we're by the time we record again, we're going to be two games uh, newer, two games worth of content. And I said, if we were sitting at seven and four, there's going to be some uh, some bad conversations and some panicking going on. And here we are, right entrenched in that right now. So I don't feel great, just like the most of uh, everybody else. And for the record, I'm not panicking, but I definitely don't feel good right now. Yeah, and listen, I mean, from start to finish last night, I mean, obviously in the fourth quarter, the Dallas Cowboys start coming back a little bit, and, like, you know, the offense finally starts going. But it seems to me that the Dallas Cowboys offense runs through the arm of Dak Prescott. And when he didn't have his two main guns and C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper, it showed its rear, really, really ugly head. 
yesterday. We'll start with the fact that something I called on another podcast, and, and a lot of people texted me about it, and they're tweeting me at it. Uh, I called 1,000% a 65-yard touchdown to Deshaun Jackson, and it turned out to be a 56-yard touchdown. So I was nine yards off. Uh, but talk to me about the fact that, like, tone setting. Like, tone setting is big to me. Um, Dak always says in his post-game press conferences, they got to start fast, they got to start fast. It's very hard to start fast when you're not only getting the ball, but you're giving it right to them, and they're, they're striking hot, Tony. I mean, what, do you, what are we thinking about these slow starts? I mean, I feel like we've had this conversation before, specifically last year and the year before that. Right. I mean, and you can kind of see that they feel that as well. I mean, when they were, you know, got their teeth kicked in by the Denver Broncos, what did they do the next week? They wanted the ball against Atlanta, and they wanted to set the tone early. And they're really good when they're playing bully ball. When they know they can go out there and, you know, they're going to impose their will and they're going and the game is going to go and come as they want it. You know, there can be anybody, but it's where when they get punched in the mouth and things don't go like it's scripted or how they planned where you're like, man, they're playing catch up. And, you know, all of a sudden now these these in-game adjustments aren't as clean or as smooth and they're not figuring it out as, you know, in a quicker or a fast manner that we were anticipating or seeing from them within the first six weeks of their uh, their winning streak. And now it's kind of, is this team have to be playing like a front runner? Do they have to be winning to be a good football team? Because they haven't really shown the ability to, you know, to come through. I mean, they're playing some inferior talent. The Broncos is inexcusable. This game, I feel is inexcusable. And, and here we are talking about seven and four when one, you know, not too long ago, we were talking about six and one. Yeah, it's uh, disturbing. Aiden, I, uh, you're an analytics guy, right? You're you're the one of the guys that break down the numbers and why things are going the way they are. Can you explain to me for the life of me? And I can't – I would never knock a coach because, listen, they're coaching in the NFL, meaning they're probably the best in the world or at least one of the first – the top 32 best in the world at their position coaches. Joe Philbin leaves with COVID. He's not there. Does that necessarily mean the Cowboys panic and start shuffling the offensive line during the game? What is that about, bro? I have zero idea what that was about. And <laughs> that's great. There are yeah, I can I can't think of a single analytics stat to back any of this up, but why are you shuffling the offensive line? Like just in a time where you get Tyron Smith back, the offensive line seems to be somewhat fully healthy. You have your guys ready to go and then you mess it all up by saying, oh, well, I'm sure Connor Williams deserves some playing time today because he worked hard during practice. I mean, why why are you messing up the consistency of this offense? It just made zero sense to me because I, it felt like it, it felt I like Pop know. Warner football. Pop Warner football is where everybody gets a chance to play. You know what I mean? Like, that's not this is that's this is the NFL, man. Like, I, I, I truly can't. Get behind the shuffle there. It didn't make any sense. Uh, earlier in the game, there was a, a play where it looked like us making this specific play looked like we were about to take over the game. And I know that sounds a little bit more of a stretch, but it's the Waller three steps, punch out, and then the heads up defensive play by our guys. Um, talk to me about your rage that was throwing through, like going through your veins, Tony. Why? And, and I know eventually they finally figured out that it wasn't challengeable. But why is it not challengeable? Like we can get into the refs because my God, but like this is the this was honestly the start of bad refereeing. 
I mean, so I kind of saw an explanation because I was perplexed myself, right? You watch the play in real time. It looks so much clearer in real time to me than it did slowed down. Like we, we've seen this get called a fumble a million times before. And mm-hmm. I guess what made it not challengeable is that the call in game came down from New York from the top. So when, you know, when they come down and, you know, consider it done when they say it. So it's not challengeable at that point. And I'm just like, that's. It's a ridic- it's ridiculous. And no matter how that call went, you knew it was gonna be a pivotal pivotal moment in that game. This was a big break for the Raiders and it was a massive um shift for the Cowboys because at the end of the day, that's an entirely different com- com- complexion of this game if that goes the other way. And just to see, you know, we can go on for hours on the referee and you know, and you can talk about the officiating as a whole, but I mean it just seems like they stuck, you know, the big knows in every single aspect of this game you just couldn't get a rhythm couldn't get a feel for it and that was just one another one of those cases yeah that seemed to have started the day off um with the referees i mean look i'm i'm fully like one of the guys that never like to go on the refs i don't like because i'm like look anybody can quit call for anything but it really seemed and jerry jones said it in this post-game press conference or at least the interview with people you know shoving mics up his face but uh, he said it. He said, "Look, you know, this is the most televised game, uh, watched televised game, except for the Super Bowl. And this is the this is what you, the, the product you put on the field." And I was telling a couple of my buddies, I said, "Look, if I'm if I'm a casual football fan, if I'm just like, ah, you know what, it's Thanksgiving, let me go put this on. Let me see if I can get myself into the NFL, right? And that's the game you watch. That's not watchable to me, Aiden." No, and it was the same way in the Lions game, too. Like, I don't know if you guys watched that, but the Lions were held, were called for holding penalties on near, it seemed like every play. And then you go into the Cowboys game, and there's what, like 20 something combined penalties? I'm with you. I don't like blaming the referees at all because, it, especially with the Cowboys against the Raiders, the Cowboys should have won no matter how many penalties were thrown on the field. But it just like it seemed like every time the Cowboys got a big stop on defense, it was ridiculous. Where Anthony Brown was getting called for pass interference down the field, setting them up, setting them up to score. And I, I'm not blaming the refs, but I'm just like, what did you? What? How do you win this game if you can't get off the field on third down because the refs are calling it every single time? And- Tony, uh, you and I have watched a little bit more football than Aiden, just a little bit, not not too much, right? But in in, in Aiden can answer this too. I'll ask you first, Tony. Have you ever in your life of watching any football, not let alone the Dallas Cowboys football, have you ever heard on a punting team an illegal block in the back? Never, not once in my entire not life. I, you know, once, <laughs> not one single time. I, I'm somebody like, somebody is in my way. I am pushing them out of the way. Get like, out of the way. I mean, seriously, what are we talking about here? It's it's just, I don't know. Like I said, these referee crew, they they were like, even, and look, I'm never going to side with the Raiders, but like they called an illegal head bob, false start. Like that happens every play. I mean, your brother's an offensive lineman. He'll probably, right. he's probably the first one to tell you, hey, dude, that happens every play. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the crazy thing to me is, you know, and I don't want to, you know, Sean Hockey Lee is his daddy's son. You know what I mean? And they love the showmanship. And this is, watch me. I'm going to have myself a nice day today. And he's going to be on the screen 28 times. Yeah. So it's it's brutal, man. Step out of the way. Let the players play. Be a complimentary role, but don't be in the main show. And that's what it felt like. And I'm not trying to blame the refs, but it was ridiculous yesterday. It was very, very apparent that 
I mean, look, I read an alarming stat right before kickoff is that Sean Hockley's crew is eight and two for the road team. So they are, they have this tendency. Like, I feel like there was like a group chat or something like where Sean was like, Hey guys, I'm going to be on TV at 425 and I'm going to be on TV a lot. So be sure to get your (laughs) screen grabs where I'm flexing my muscles and stuff on TV. Like it was so apparent that, that they, that they wanted the FaceTime and they got it. I mean, and they got it. It was it was ridiculous. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about the refs because it's just annoying and it makes my blood boil. Something that we don't have to rely on the refs about, Aiden, and I go to you for this one because, bro, uh, McCarthy's decision to try to kick a 59-yard field goal, what was that about? Oh, uh, the field goal was – I have no idea what that was because if you saw – I don't know if you guys saw the analytics on that one, but it was like the best-case scenario in that situation is to go for it. The second base, best case scenario in that situation is the punt. Your last, the worst thing you do is kick a field goal. And it's just with a kicker that had already missed a PAT, you then try and trot him out for a 59-yard field. Like, I get having confidence in your kicker, but when when the game's essentially two scores at that point and you, you're desperate for points... A 59-yard field goal is not the way to get it. And I'll also take it a step further. McCarthy's decisions throughout the entire game on fourth down, this is the second week in a row where it just seems like he's lost confidence in the offense. I don't get it because Chiefs game, you had several punts where it was like, why are you punting here? You need to get back in this game. And it was the same in this one where McCarthy just continually punted in situations where going for it would have been great to get momentum. Now, Tony, do you agree with the fact, like, Aiden just kind of brought up a good point with this aggression that we have lacked uh, in the last couple weeks when it comes to fourth down. Now, you said, you know, he said Kansas City game, and he said that, obviously, the Thanksgiving Day game against the Raiders, two weeks in a row, two weeks of not having Amari Cooper, two now and a week and a half of not having CeeDee Lamb. Do you think that played a big part in, we'll get into the, you know, the rest of the wide receiver group, uh, how they played. Uh, right after you know we talk about this but first I want to know do you think that has anything to do with the confidence factor that McCarthy has in the offense because he's down his best two weapons yeah I mean I think you kind of you hit it on the head there you kind of stole my thunder because that's exactly where I was going with it you know this kind of tells you they're always talking next man up and they're talking the mantra of you know we love our guys but you know they're showing you with the play call and they're showing you you know, they're not saying it, but they're showing you how they're calling these games their confidence level. Without Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb, maybe they don't love their receivers as much as they say they do. And, you know, at the same time, when they're all together and they're complimentary, you know, and, you know, Amari Cooper in two weeks off due to COVID, I think I've never seen stock rise like this from not playing. You know, him not being out there, he just made himself look better and better. And, you you know, they're finally going to have their full compliment, hopefully this week, coming into it. They need no, it. Tony, um, Tony, 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 don't do it. Don't do it because you did that last <laughs> time. <laughs> I did, I ruined it. Yeah. yeah, and then, yeah, all hell broke loose. But, you know, it, it just shows you. And bottom line is that Aiden said it. Like, what? why are they doing this? And I think it's clear that, you know, they don't have the confidence that we thought they did in this unit. And, you know, they're playing with one hand behind their back a little bit. All right. So, I mean, obviously, we, we could touch on the receivers. Now, are we seeing uh, the value? Uh, like, Yes. Did, did Dak drop a couple in the bucket to MG? Absolutely. Gallup had himself a decent couple plays. But are we seeing the true value of Michael Gallup here? Because, look, at the end of the year, Amari Cooper is a $20 million cap hit, right? And then you have to figure out, I mean, CD's obviously under contract for a little while uh, with the rookie deal. But then, like, you see Michael Gallup's, his contract is up. 
did he like within the last two weeks, considering the fact that this goes back to the Kansas City game as well, where we're relying heavily on Gallup, Aiden, does Gallup lose a little value based off the fact that he really hasn't performed outside a couple big plays? He did lose value because he defined his role as an NFL receiver. It wasn't coming into this week where Gallup's the number one receiver. He's going to get 20 targets, 10 catches. He's going to go off. But what we found out is that's not the guy that Michael Gallup is. Michael Gallup is the field stretcher. He's going to get you some deep shots, and it's going to be very impactful. What he's not going to do is he's not going to run slants, curls, close to the line of scrimmage, and just rack up targets. And that's okay. Deshaun Jackson made an entire career being a field stretcher, and we saw that yesterday. But Michael Gallup's not going to be that number one reliable receiver that a team like I don't know, the Giants or the Eagles are looking for in free agency. So he lost a little bit of value simply because we now know exactly who Michael Gallup is in his defined role. Tony, do you agree uh, as far as Michael Gallup losing a little value? Or do you feel like do you feel like maybe Gallup steps it up when he's not the focal point? Because if that's the case, fine. But we also have to pay him as such. Like we can't give him the bag for what he's done in these two weeks when he's the focal point. I mean, I'm thinking long-term, like big picture here, right? You look at the length of the injury. He missed, you know, about half the season with this. And it's taken him a few weeks to kind of get his feet underneath him. So now you're talking about a, a guy who is in a contract year missing two-thirds of the season. Now he's supposed to put up this production that's supposed to get him paid. And I see that completely he's been what um, the receiver, was it uh, Sutton? In our, who, cause Sutton just got paid in Denver, and they're saying those are comparable numbers. But – the, the, the statistics aren't comparable right now, and I think that might actually be a, a, in the Cowboys' favor because if, if if Michael Gallup went out here and he had a great season and his numbers are up and he proved to be what he you know he thinks he is and we thought he was, and, and now this isn't really a knock on Michael Gallup. It's just the numbers, the financials of the whole thing is um, this could be a situation where he might just buy in for one more year, prove it deal because he didn't get a chance to do it, and that could be a benefit to the Cowboys to keep those three guys together. He did say he likes being in Dallas, and you know a lot of these guys are going to go where the money goes because NFL is you know not for long, but at the same time, you know, he might say, you know what, there's unfinished business here. And then, you know, the money will be there. Let me just stick around here, prove it one more time. Aiden, Tony, both one word answer. Yes or no. The Dallas Cowboys trio of receivers will be intact in 2022. Aiden, go first. No. Tony? Yes. Okay. So he thinks Gallup will take that that hometown discount, maybe a couple million dollars to stick around, prove it. I, listen, I'm with Tony. I think that that's a possibility. But I just know you just said it. You know, these the not for long aspect means like you got to get your bag. And if some team like the Jacksonville Jaguars come out of left field and say, hey, here's 15 million dollars a year to be our number one. Gallup's gone, man. You know, and it stinks because I, I like I like Gallup a lot. And I think he does bring a totally different element to Dak's game. You get to see that beautiful high arc pass that he can throw and drop it right there. And he's like, for whatever reason, he has at least one toe drag swag type catch a game you know like he's that kind of guy and I think uh, honestly with December coming around and Cooper coming back off of COVID and more than likely CD Lamb you know he was a game time decision almost uh so you would assume another seven days he's going to be suiting up against New Orleans uh so we do for the first time in a, a very long time any cold well Cooper, according to, to the rules of the league he can't be tested anymore for 90 days so he's definitely back it's a matter of Gallup staying clean and just wearing his damn mask or whatever the hell they got to do. Just get on the right. freaking field. Um, 
Now, on to some kind of – I know there wasn't a lot of bright spots, but there are some things to take away from this game. Dak Prescott aside, because I, I think that – I caught a lot of heat on, on Twitter. I don't know if anybody saw that. You were very vocal, Sturge. I, I, I always am, right? And I and my gloves are always off on Twitter. I, I feel like Twitter is a place where, you know, you can take your gloves off. You can kind of scrap with the fans. You can also be like that silent assassin that's like if somebody said like a lot of people are like, oh, I can't believe Dak Prescott missed that throw in overtime. And my my answer was, I'm sorry. You know, why are we in overtime? Oh, that's right, because Dak Prescott let us down the field. And that's why we're in overtime. Get off his case. Right. And I'm, I'm so tired of that. They brought up the contract a lot. And I was like, like, what do you what do you want? An extra couple mil to sign a free agent in December? Like the contract is the contract, no matter what, no matter how you cut it. Dak Prescott is our number one, and, and and that does not change for the next couple of years, right? So I'm done talking about that because I don't think it's a necessary conversation to have. The conversation that we do want to have is something that I've been a very big apologist for Ezekiel Elliott, and I know he's been banged up, right? And I know this offensive line is going through all these little shifts and changes and this, that, and the third, and they're not really establishing anything. But, fellas, Tony Pollard's the real deal, man. I mean, he, he I know he's not going to put his shoulder down like Zeke does, but he doesn't need to. He's such a finesse runner where he's like coast to coast. He can make so many plays. And then obviously the kickoff return in which I always said to my dad, we're always in the same mindset. Like nine times out of 10, something bad happens on a kickoff. If you take it out of the end zone, you know, it's either like, guess what? You're getting called for a hold, a block in the back, or you don't make it past the 25. Those are three bad things that can happen. A good thing is what Pollard did. Talk to me a little bit about Pollard's usage going forward. We obviously need to get the offense going. I watched Zeke's press conference yesterday. I don't know if you guys did, but it seemed to me that he didn't have answers for why he wasn't in that game. Like he almost as if like, hey, my knee is is fine. I he, like there's a lot of people like, well, talk to me about the the usage of Pollard. He goes, I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, where do you guys feel like this Cowboys offense is at with Tony Pollard and Zeke Aidens? I'll start with you, bro. So going into the beginning of the season, I had watched Zeke and Pollard work. This was like week two. I was officially on the Pollard bandwagon. Get get him more carries. It's clear that he's the better running back at this point. Then Zeke started to improve a little bit. I I just don't know because I think part of the reason that we're seeing a discrepancy, like just an overall decline in the running game, isn't necessarily Zeke's fault. I think we have to give a lot of blame to Kellen Moore because the amount of times that I watched Kellen Moore just first down, run it right up the gut was insane. And it's when the at going into the bye week, you had creative, you had sweeps, you had motions, you had outside runs. And now it just seems like Kellen Moore is getting very uncreative in the rushing game. And I think that's hurting Zeke and to a lesser extent Pollard. But at this point, yeah, Pollard needs more touches. I think, yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I'll take it a step further. I think um, whether Zeke, because he's a gamer, he's a tough dude, you know, he's not the one to miss games for injuries. But I think the knee issue is – it's, it, it is an issue. It's a, some type of situation where he's managing it and you'll see him take like, you know, sometimes he'll take just a, a garden variety hit and it'll come up a little hobbled because you just got to shake it off. And that's how it is sometimes. But I think what's going to end up happening organically here is um, you're going to see, I believe, at least Tony Pollard start getting the bulk of the carries a little bit. And it may be first 
second quarter. You know, if the Cowboys in this game kind of goes the way they want it to, it brings Zeke in to be the finisher. Now, I don't think that's going to be like a clear fast, like here, this is what we're going to do. But I think we're on the verge. I've seen a little bit more Tony Pollard because he's the fresher back with less carries, somebody who is, you know, a, a game breaker. But then Zeke, when, you know, when it's time to, you know, take somebody's will from them and they're playing their brand of football and everyone's back, Zeke is going to be the one where these linebackers and, and these safeties and corners who don't want to hit after three, four quarters of football, and he's going to run it down their throat. I mean, look what happened, right? They get down to the one. They let Tony Pollard get all the way down to the one, and they put Zeke in just to hammer it in. And you know what? If Zeke ends up with 15 touchdowns on the season because he's just, he's you know, just punching people in the mouth, fine, whatever. Touchdown's a touchdown to me. In most recent times, this kind of reminds me of – I mean, dare I say, like Felix Jones, Marion Barber, kind of deal. Like one guy's right, flash, right. one guy is a, is the hammer, like the Thor's hammer. Um, but yeah, I agree with you guys. I think it's time to get Pollard more involved in the offense. And there's there's been times where I see them both on the field on the same time, and I'm like, this is gonna work. I don't know what they're about to run, but this is gonna work because I like the idea that the defenses have to be like, oh, all right, there's the oh shook, <laughs> you know, there yeah, there's right. Tony Pollard too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like they have to make a a, a move in in regards to that. Um, but it remains to be seen, man. Look, Kellen Moore, you just said it. Like, I, it's so, I try, I try to get on this Kellen Moore train. I do. And I want him to be a head coach in the NFL one day, right? And I don't want this to be a, a lame duck thing where, you know, once McCarthy's out, boom, insert more here, right? I don't want that. I want him to earn, earn it. Like, I want him to be, I want it to be indisputable where Jerry's like, dude, I got, I got to make this change. Like, he is the guy, right? Right now, he's not, not to me. You know, like, and I, I don't feel that way. Do you feel like, you know, Aiden, I'll throw this to you because obviously you've, you've studied and crunched the numbers and all this other stuff. With with Kellen Moore at the helm, I would love to know this. And this is a deep dive for you. So one day if you're bored and it's raining and you want to do this dive for me because I don't know how to find it, you're, you're the guy for that. How many times is Kellen Moore going to call a, a ridiculous trick-type play when a first down is achieved by doing something good? Like, if we hit somebody down the seam, all of a sudden, bang, first down Dallas. What's the next play? Let's try a reverse. What? What? <laughs> like, why is this happening, Aiden? Tell me. You, you're you the numbers guy. Why is this happening? That's the thing. He's just, it's kind of one of those chief situations where he's getting a little cute in situations that don't warrant it. Like, you're moving, you're finally moving down the field. The offense is finally gaining momentum. Why risk it on a crazy play that, sure might work and then yeah the momentum's boosted but more often than not you're seeing these plays that just fall flat and then kellen moore looks silly the whole offense begins to stall i'm just i'm just getting worried because i i'll admit i was on the kellen moore bandwagon going into the bye week i thought man this guy is the real deal he's killing it and now I don't I'm just I've just been scared these last couple of weeks because in in specific, right? We we score the touchdown if you know Zeke scores a touchdown and there's a penalty. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? We're gonna run uh we're gonna go for two now because of the fact that we moved up a yard, right? Tell me why. What well, like you, my like Aiden, Tony, myself, we've all played Madden, right? Without that's that's the extent of our like play calling abilities where we select the play, right? Why is it anything outside a run right up the middle? Run the same damn play you scored on. Why does it have to be a pitch out to the outside and just leave everybody vulnerable? You have the best guard to maybe 
ever play the game within the last five years in Zach Martin. Run it behind him, Aiden. Make it make sense, bro. I can't. Okay, I, cool. Tony, make it make sense. It doesn't make sense, but the okay. only thing I can think of is the fact that they might. You ever seen a water boy when he's like, "I'm gonna fake the fake"? They overthink it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes they just overthink. Like you, if you want to get cute, throw a little corner shoulder fade to Michael Gallup. Other than that, hammer it in with Zeke. I mean, let's not be crazy about it. I think there was one play. I forget which play it was. It might have been Pollard. He was like, like a half a yard short, right? So that was that was that set that up exactly. So yep. in my head, we're an inch away from the end zone, and I'm like. This to me is, I know you guys can see me doing it, but this is Dak. Just stick it over. Just don't go, you know, don't go yeah. under, go over, just jump. Just don't fumble, but do it. Right. right. They line up in the shotgun. <laughs> Thank you. Right. I was yelling at my what I, what, what TV we this weekend. Here? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, the entire time I was yelling, just run like quarterback sneak up the middle, please. And then I see them line up in shotgun. And my immediate thought was, this is going to be a disaster. He's going to get stuffed in the backfield and we're going to have to settle for a field goal because McCarthy's not going to be aggressive. But, but here's that. And the problem is right. Here's you like the three stooges right now are doing a two minute warning podcast. (laughs) And even we know that there's no other play to call besides the sneak. Or line up your big boy in the I formation, whatever. Why are like why is shotgun like you think you're the sm- like Kellen Moore must think he's the smartest dude in the room. Meaning, like, he's like, All right, I get it. Y'all are gonna be looking for the sneak. You might even be looking for the I formation, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what, once we line up in the shotgun, you'll never see it coming. Like, stop, bro. He needs to stop and get off his high horse. And just play Dallas Cowboy football the way we know it could work. Zeke is one of the best running backs inside the guards that we've ever seen. He's he's tough. He's gritty. He likes contact. Give that ball. And yes, did he get the ball? Sure. But the look, you know, the look of it. And on a two-point conversion, you want those two points? Do the same thing again. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, the, acronym, right. the acronym KISS, keep it simple, stupid, right? Like, why Correct. overthink it? Just do Correct. it. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's frustrating. And look, so in this game now, we got to, I mean, unless you guys have something else to bring up on this game in particular, I mean, there's, there's other notes that I wrote down where I'm like, why is Kelvin Joseph getting thrown out of the game? You know, ra- you know, he was on the receiving end of a legitimate dragging, <laughs> you know, like and all of a sudden he's getting tossed. That bodes big when you need secondary help. You can't just like, I know he's playing mostly, you know, some special teams and whatnot, but 
I don't know, man. It, it was just a very, very bad officiated game, a bad executed game. I give kudos and I give props to Dak Prescott for staying with it. This is a guy I've never felt this way about a quarterback on the Dallas Cowboys where I think every time Dak Prescott steps on the field, we can go out and score a touchdown. I still feel that way. Even if he's missing these ba- these passes, in which according to the Twitter universe or the Cowboys Nation Twitter, he's not allowed to do. <laughs> Just so you know. He misses a couple passes, by the way. He's garbage all of a sudden. Like, he's right. no good anymore in the NFL. Um, and he's not elite, and he's not worth $40 million, and he's this and a third. He'll never be the elite. He'll never separate himself. Stop. Just stop. Dak Prescott's your quarterback. And if we're going to go anywhere this year in particular, it's going to be because of him. And, and I don't care how much, how good the, the offense and the defense is playing. I will touch on one more thing. Micah Parsons. We talk about him every week. You've probably talked about him until you're blue in the face. You've probably wrote about him until your fingers hurt. Micah Parsons needs to. Now, now I, I bring this up because I, I do want to touch on the fact that we do have some reinforcements coming back. More than likely, DeMarcus Ware back for the Saints game. You know, Gregory might be, I, I guess, what, a couple weeks away. I'm not really sure. But they're coming back. Aiden, what are you doing with Micah Parsons once we have our full established defensive linebacker? It's hard not to keep him. Okay, no, he's not going to be purely lined up on the D-line every single play. He's going to get some more linebacker snaps, and that's good. He needs to develop into a guy that can be completely versatile, which he already is, but... He needs to get both those snaps, but it's hard. You can't keep him out of the pass rush entirely. You have to let him get to the quarterback because I mean, he just broke DeMarcus DeMarcus Ware's record. That's insane. So just to keep a guy like that out of the pass rush. Yeah. In 11. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at the numbers in terms of pressures to the amount of pass rushing snaps, he's killing it. So you can't let him just be a pure linebacker. You have to let him get to the quarterback. And you can do it creatively now that you have Lawrence and Gregory back. Tony, we're about to get Randy Gregory and Lawrence back. I just asked him the same questions. Micah Parsons uh, lining up a defensive end. Do you feel like this kid is a, just a natural defensive end, or do you actually want him to kind of do the hybrid thing like a DeMarcus Ware used to do? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole him to do anything, right? I think when we get the full uh, – onslaught of guys back and we're talking Neville Gallimore in the middle and we got you know Oso Digizua in there and we got Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence on the other side then Michael Parsons can get creative and then Quinn can get you know now you're talking about what are you going to do look at this because these are all guys who can get to the quarterback these are guys who are you know impact players and the league has not seen them on the field together at all this year as a unit Dan Quinn is probably chomping at the bit like when I get my guys back this league is in for some trouble you got Trayvon Diggs on the back end you know you got some opportunistic safeties that like the hit Jaron Curse be talking a lot and like doing some you know working hard so I just can't wait for this unit to be complete and full because Micah Parsons is about to take it to another level you tell this guy to do this or that he's going to be able to get it done but at the same time it's limitless to the things he could do I mean at this point why would you even think about trying to cap his potential yeah, I agree. And I, I did watch the press conference earlier this morning with Micah Parsons, and he said he this is football, uh, and he's not playing tag with his best friends. Like, he's playing football, and he wants to hit the quarterback. And once the quarterback becomes a runner, you're in deep shit. <laughs> like, it's like there's, no, there's no other way to describe that, and I, I try not to use coarse language, but it is what it is. Like, <laughs> Micah Parsons, there's been a lot of comparisons to DeMarcus Ware, which is great, but I've seen a lot more lately to Lawrence Taylor. And like in that, mm. 
He is the best to ever do it. Um, and this kid has the speed. He has the ability to get low and underneath. He has the ability to stunt and come up the middle. Like this guy, it's great to see. But again, it's all for nothing if the Dallas Cowboys can't rattle off some more wins. So now we're moving on. Like short-term memory. This game's behind us. We're officially one and three against the AFC West. Goodbye, AFC West. I never want to see your faces again until potentially February, right? I don't want to see right. anybody from the AFC West again. Now, going into this next week, it's Saturday. There's a lot of games to be played on Sunday as people listen to this. The Jersey Boys will cover the NFC playoff picture once it all kind of unfolds uh, as that drops on Monday. But I do want your knee-jerk reaction, or at least a little bit of a prediction. Aiden, I'll start with you. Can this Dallas Cowboys right the wrongs and, and get this disgusting feeling out of all of our guts right now and go and beat a Saints team that seems to me can't do anything on offense. Now, I, I preface this with the Raiders were in the same situation. They couldn't do anything for three weeks. I talked to a guy, uh, uh, Mr. Ackerman. He was, a, he was a writer for the Believe Network, right? He, he came on one of my podcasts, and he said that this team does have the potential to play up to their opponent, and I think they will, and they did. Do you feel like the Saints are going to do the same thing, or can the Cowboys right the ship and get this done in New Orleans without giving a – prediction per se can they just get back to playing dallas cowboy football in seven days from now can they yes now i will say the saints are a team that great defense but at this point with trevor simeon they are they're not a good they're not a great team i think they're below slightly below average so in my mind i haven't hit the panic button yet but my hand is an inch over the panic button and this week, we're getting presumably Cooper, Lamb, possibly Lawrence, and Gregory back. If they come out flat again, yeah, I mean, that's when I start to get worried. But so you're, start, you're starting to believe that, you know, if the Cowboys, with all their reinforcements coming their way, if they come out flat again, it's time now to think about them being just a middle of the pack team and not as special as what we thought. And their, and their, and their wins came over teams that they should have beat. Yeah, but at the same, on the reverse side, if they come out, they look like the team that they did before the bye week, I'm willing for at least a little bit to say, maybe we just weren't a completely healthy team, and now now that we have all our guys back, we have the momentum back. So this is a big week. Tony, how you feeling, man? I, I'm not afraid you know, to jump out off the porch and say, this, this, I mean, to date, this has got to be the biggest game of the season, right? I mean, if we lose this football game, it's no longer this or that. It's a spiral, and we're in a downward trajectory. So this game is, you know, they need to nut up and find a way to get this done. And looking at kind of the Saints, I, teams that scare me is like, you know, Derek Carr is a starting caliber quarterback in this league. You know, he can make plays. But the, te- the reason why I'm less worried about the Saints as a whole, which the Cowboys give me no confidence to believe that they can go in and just steamroll anybody right now because it's it's not who they've been so far right now. Um, but as you look, Trevor Simeon doesn't scare me. Deontay Harris, their, their speedster from the Saints, is dealing with um, appealing uh, three-game suspension for a DUI that he had. Um, Alvin Kamara has been very iffy. Mark Ingram has been very iffy. So then you're looking at who Marquez Calloway, like the weapons there for this defense to, to, to smother and choke out this offense is there. Bring them with the fact of the hope and the belief that we're going to get our horses back on the offensive side. 
you know, we've used this term a couple times, get like a get right game. But if this isn't a get right game, then I don't know what is, to be honest with you. It's just it's crazy to me to think that the Dallas Cowboys with six games to play have two at home. That's it. Four on the road. So now it's going to we're going to we're going to find out just how this team operates. And I used to think that the New Orleans Superdome or whatever the hell they're calling it at this point, Mercedes Dome, whatever, whatever the, they're doing down there in New Orleans. That dome is no longer a, a place where nobody can win because we've seen it. We've obviously seen it. You know, we just saw it last uh, on Thanksgiving night. The, the, the dome poised no threat to a Buffalo Bills team who are, by the way, seven and four like our Dallas Cowboys. So it's funny to say, like, as people listen to this, there's still a game to be played between the Green Bay Packers and the and the Rams. Right. And the loser of that game has four losses, ladies and gentlemen. You know, like this is a, a parody league at its finest. And I think the Dallas Cowboys have a chance to say to themselves, look at all themselves in the mirror and say, look, we go out there and handle business against the New Orleans Saints and get to eight and four. Chances are, with my prediction of the Cardinals folding like a lawn chair, I really do. I think I think that's coming. That eight and four would look like a top seed in the NFC. This is the kind of game. Now, with the, the AFC West and the AFC games in general, meaning diddly squat when it comes to winning a conference, these are the games you got to win now. And they got to... This to me, and I go back to Aiden's, uh, you know, when we lost by, I know this is only a three-point loss, but we're like the double-digit thing, like Mike McCarthy offenses. I would love to see the the analytics, and maybe you'll have this by Tuesday, of having uh, Mike McCarthy coming off two losses in a row. What's the response out of Mike McCarthy there? You know what I mean? So that's something interesting to see because every good team so far, except for the Packers, which it could be this week, if they lose, they'll be lost two in a row. Every good team in the NFL has lost two in a row at this point. So I'm not worried about that. I think the Dallas Cowboys get their reinforcements back. I think they play sound offense and get it done, control the clock, and do their thing. Now it's the two-minute warning. Here comes the special, special question that I'm going to drop to you guys, okay? It's not a prediction about the Saints game because that's be let that be left for the rest of the, the Blogging the Boys podcast network in which we're going to be making predictions all week long. Right now, you are 7-4. and four. Aiden, how do they finish the season? What's their record? Oh, I am going to say that the Cowboys finish eleven and five. I well, it would still... be eleven and six. Sorry, eleven. Sorry, seventeen game season always messing me up. Sorry, I'm going twelve and five. I think they drop the Cardinals game, and I think every other game is completely winnable for the Cowboys. I still have hope in this team. I still see this as the team that I did going into the buy ish. So I think they can I think they can get to 12 and 5. But that being said, they dropped this one against the Saints. I think they're a 9 and 8 team. Wow. Okay. So a three three game swing rests on the Dallas Cowboys coming up this Thursday on a win or loss. Tony, does the 12 and 5 thing sound good to you? And if it does, I mean you're going to give me a record in a second. If it does, where is this seed? Where is 12 or 11 or however many? How? Not only give me the, the record, but give me their seeding based off the rest of the conference. Well, you look at it. I mean, I think at this point, the way it's been played, um, Arizona has <laughs> been, you know, it looks like they, they don't miss a beat with Colt McCoy in there. So they kind of look like, I mean, at this point, it's tough to not think they'd be the one seed. And then, you know. If, if it's 12 and five, you're going to look at nothing less than what a three seed at this point. And I think we avoid the four that we've all been trying to stay away from, you know, not having to play the Rams. So as, for, as far as seeding goes, 
I think one, I think one is out of the reach right now. You know, you may have a different opinion. I think one's out, but I'd be okay with anything two and three. And if we're there, I feel comfortable that we can, we can walk out of the, you know, the wild card, wild card round, division round with some wins. All right. So you are, you're with agreement with eight in that 12 and five though. I, I think, I think 11 and six is the more realistic because I could see them drop in two games. Like if Arizona has something to play for, that's a tough matchup. And it's, it's tough to say that they're going to, you know, do a sweep on the rest of them because they've proven to us they can lose to anybody at any time. So I built in one more game there for a loss. I think 12 and five is absolutely reasonable. I think 11 and six would be, you know, it is what it is, but I, my heart says 12 and five, I think 11 and six may be realistic. I'm with you, Tony. I think 11 and six is the more realistic one with them dropping a game on the road, either to Washington or Philadelphia or something like that. That's where I think the other loss comes in. But I said it a couple of weeks ago after the Denver game, I said this, I said, if the Cowboys can get to 11 wins, the NFC's title's theirs, because that would have to mean that the Philadelphia Eagles right now win out. They don't lose another game. And I don't right. think that's going to happen. I, I don't think Philadelphia wins out. In fact, I think the Giants might be playing some inspired football this week, considering the fact that they just let their offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett, our buddy, get tossed. You know what I mean? So I think that the, that game will be a little bit closer than what people think, and they might play up to the Eagles. We'll see. And that's the, to me, that's ridiculous to even say. Somebody playing up to the Eagles because of how <laughs> bad the Eagles could be as well. But 11-6 and six is great. 12-5 and five is wonderful. If they win out, <laughs> if they win out right now, then you can talk about one seed and talk about we're not getting touched in the playoffs if they win out. But I think, obviously, we've seen this well too many times that the Cowboys have literally let us down. You know, So until we're proven wrong, we got to stay a little sketchy with all this. So with that being said, it's been another banger of an episode of the Two Minute Warning Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast, to the entire network. There are shows for everybody right now. We also, collectively, as a two-minute warning podcast, I'll just speak for everybody here, and congratulate RJ Ochoa on the birth of his little, awesome, future cowboy. Uh, and I, I truly believe that. My son, too. We're going to have a whole other generation of players in about 18 years, 19, 20 years from now. Um, but, again, congratulations to RJ uh, on his addition. I know you're going to be busy, buddy. I know you're going to be busy. You have a force behind you in the blogging the boys podcast network we are all here for you congratulations to you and yours and for dave starchio aiden davis and of course tony catalina this has been another episode of the two minute warning podcast and god help us if we lose <laughs> but the next time you hear from us yeah. we will be previewing and, and getting ready for uh actually no we'll just be talking about the saints game because we don't have another sunday game for another couple of weeks so with that we'll see you guys next week